Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Okay, I want you to look into your wallet or your phone, either one right now, and if all of the pictures in there are of your cat or your dog or your ferret or whatever animal you have, you found the right show. This is it. (laughs) Animal Radio. We're all just as crazy about our animals as you are. And we have doctors. Nuts. We're crazy. Like over the, we're certified. We're lucky to have a radio show. Uh, but uh, they said animals, yeah, why not? You know, few of us have animals. In fact, about 68% of households have animals. And if wow. you don't, what are you waiting for? The, the shelters are just waiting for you to come on down and meet some uh, beautiful animals that'll capture your hearts and you can take them home with you and, and have a brand new forever friend. I just kind of sort of went off on a tangent yeah, there. Yeah, you did, Hal. I, and must... I was thinking how wonderful that was. That's uh, beautiful. We, uh, so we're going to go to the phones here. We have Dr. Debbie to answer uh, all those vet medical questions. We have dog father Joey Villani, who's uh, a groomer extraordinaire. You've seen him on Animal Planet's Dogs 101, and groomer has it. And he, you know, we thought that you didn't need to groom an animal until he came on board. And we realized what we were really missing out on and how well our animal could look. If we uh, gave it a little attention. Regular grooming. So if you want to talk to either one of them, it's free of charge. Directly from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android and BlackBerry. It's a free download. Thanks to those folks over at Doctors, Fosters, and Smith. And the great thing about the app is not only can you ask the questions, you can listen to any show you want. uh, Animal Radio show. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the Andy Griffith show is not on there yet. and But you could also browse the deep resources. We have lots of resources for you and news that's important for you. So if there's a recall of a certain food and you need to know about it, you'll know about it through the Animal Radio app. So we make fun about it, but uh, it's an important app to have. And as I've said before, it's so important. I've actually downloaded it twice. I have, to have it twice on my phone. Really. Wow. You don't have to do that. I'm just asking you to download it once. Hey, Jim, how are you doing? Great. Where are you calling from today? Well, right now I'm in Roland Heights. Roland Heights. Right. Is that the uh, L.A. area, Los Angeles area? Well, yeah, it's uh, east, of, uh, east of L.A. Okay. So what's going on with your animals? I have the entire dream team here for you. Well, it, it's kind of a weird situation. I have a 17-year-old indoor cat. It's been indoor ever since uh, my girlfriend and her son got it. Okay. Uh, the outdoor cat, uh, I, it was, I rescued it. It was growing up in a while. Somebody dumped it off, and for about a year, year and a half or so, it was living with uh, raccoons. Oh, my. <laughs> and then there was a couple, other, a couple other people, I guess, were dumping cats off. And then how this cat got, uh, the one I have now, uh, got caught in a cage and went, went berserk. It got got an infection in the uh, Humane Society out in Pomona, California. And so mm-hmm. I went down, and I rescued it, I nursed it back to health, and it's the most horrible cat that you have ever seen. Wow. Aww. It's a female. It wants to be uh, a mother hen. It, it licks me. It, it purrs. Uh, it sleeps with me on, on the bed, on the pillow. It's, it always tries to bathe me. Oh, that's wonderful. So what's going on with these guys, Jim? What's your problem? Well, well, I see bumps every now and then. I don't see fleas or ticks or anything. And they have been scratching up the kazoo. Oh, God. All right. Do they have any sores on their bodies? 
Uh, well, I see bumps. I can feel bumps, but when I look, it could be sores, but I think it's from them scratching or biting or, or picking on themselves. Ah, okay. All righty. So if we see little small bumps or feel them on cats, um, especially if they're kind of like, if you look at them closely, they might be a little pink, a little kind of almost like a pimple, and sometimes they'll have a scab on them. Um, then, then that can be a condition we call miliary dermatitis, and it's miliary kind of like millets is kind of like what it looks like, little bumps. Um, miliary dermatitis can happen from a lot of different reasons in cats. The number one thing that causes it is flea allergy dermatitis. <laughs> so that's always the number one thing on my list when I hear of kitties that have these little bumps, usually around the neck, the head, sometimes on the chest, but also along the back. Right. Um, there are some other causes of that as well, and that might be things like a bacterial infection, um, allergies or food allergies, um, and even things like ringworm. So cats don't always have to get ringworm with like a, a hair loss like a person does. They can actually get these right. little bumps. So since you do have a kitty going outside, I'm going to say number one thing we need to focus on is flea control. And the okay. funny thing that I always have this conversation with folks about cats, and um, a lot of folks will say, oh, I never see fleas or any evidence of fleas on my cat. And that's because in many cases, cats are doing what they do best. They groom, and they groom right. themselves really well. So we can't count on seeing evidence of fleas on cats. Um, if we're in an area that has fleas, and especially with having one going outside, we really need to treat appropriately with that. And that might be a combination of a oral product such as Comfortis, um, along with a topical product on a regular monthly basis. So that is by far the number one thing I'm going to ask you to do for both cats. The other thing, and if we do have fleas, to realize is if you have that one cat going outside, we are going to struggle. We are going to struggle hard to control fleas and any resulting skin side effects because of that. Um, right. So if we're really concerned about getting this on under control, we'll try to keep the outdoor cat indoors for about a month's time so we can really do our best to try to get the flea control um, under uh -huh. our belts there. But then, you know, this would be something if you haven't already taken the babies to the vet, you know, we, we'd want to do that and just make sure we don't have something like ringworm and check to see if we need to be on an antibiotic or um, if they do see fleas, sometimes we'll use um, a bit of a steroid just to help decrease the itch so we don't have so much self-trauma um, as a result of the itch because dogs, cats, they can have um, flea allergy dermatitis, which means they are unreasonably itchy from the bite right. of the flea from the saliva. So it doesn't have to be that we have tons of fleas. It could be one flea. And if you have an allergic pet, they are just going crazy from that yeah. itch. So um, that's when we'll often use things like, you know, prednisone or other types of steroids just to help kind of uh, quiet down that reaction there. As far as, you know, them bathing themselves, you know, licking and, 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 and all that, you know, I guess what you call washing their body or something. Uh, they always do that through all day long. Yeah, yeah, that's normal. I mean, kitties, they are fastidious creatures. So, you know, it is really their job to keep that hair coat looking good. And if something offending is there, they're going to get it out of there. So, yeah, that's why, you know, they may just be doing a really good job of that. Um, right. So, 
So you got a little bit of work there, Jim, but, you know, work with your veterinarian and see about getting the right treatment and the right products. So, you know, this is something I definitely like to work with my clients because some of the topicals alone aren't going to give us the quickest relief, Um, especially with flea allergy dermatitis. We got to use some of these quick kill type products and and many of them are the oral forms. Right. Yeah, I tried that sometime for a while and uh, I wasn't sure if that was helping it or not. uh, To me, it didn't seem like it made a difference. Yeah. You, you tried what? I missed that. Frontline. He tried Frontline. So we're yeah. talking about some of the uh, orals, though. These are different medicines. These are medicines that you, you take internally. Is that correct? Right, right. And there's, you know, there's not every topical is created equal. So we prefer to have a topical that, if possible, has a quick kill. If not, that's when we pull out the oral medications, um, uh-huh. Capstar, Comfortus. And a lot of these, they will kill those fleas so quickly. But if your cat's going outside, they're going to get reinfested. So that's where right. keeping them indoors just to get a handle on things can be very helpful for the initial stages of trying to treat yeah. this. I applaud you. You're doing something right, Jim. You got that 17-year-old cat. So give those babies a, a hug and a little scratch. And uh, thanks so much for your call. All right. Thanks so much. Take care, Jim. We appreciate it. Yeah, we have Nike the Studio Cat, and it just takes one flea bite. And he is... he <laughs> is get, Yeah, mm-hmm. his whole body gets bumped. Covered with sores. And uh, the Comfortus worked very well for us. And a steroid shot that day when we, we discovered that. Yeah, and so, cleared him mm-hmm. up fast. If you happen to have a Yorkshire Terrier, a Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, did you know, did you know our very own talented Dr. Debbie has written books called How to Be Your Dog's Best Friends about these breeds right here. And I'm going to try to convince her to work on some other breeds. But if you have one of these right now, you (laughs) definitely want to have this uh, Guardian's Manual available as Kindle books over at Amazon.com. And, of course, we have links over at AnimalRadio.com. Are there any natural, holistic treatments for fleas? I I get tired of searching for one. Well, um, like all the old old wife's things like garlic really don't work. Um, as far as like the skin so soft, you can do that in a, um, a diluted spray and, and that mm-hmm. can be one thing you can use. Um, trying to think holistic isn't my uh, forte <laughs> specifically. <laughs> I just feel so bad dumping a chemical on my cat's skin or dog. You know, and I'm with you on that. I really am because I spilt, I accidentally spilt some of that Frontliner Advantage and it splattered on my keyboard, on my computer, and it ate a little hole right where it splattered. I'm thinking that... It, but you think of all the different types of products, and if you put them on a plastic, which is plastic is just not a normal substance. Wait, but, but, um, but, but, but you would put something on skin that would eat away at plastic? I just don't know. I, I, I'm having a hard time yeah, with that, Doc. Do. Well, there, there's different carriers and such within those products, which... Um, may not necessarily be causing a problem, but will, on plastic, yeah, can cause a surface change, so. Mm. Okay. By the same token, I used to, I did find a natural one, one time in the store, and this was many moons ago, at least 10 years ago, and, but it was, um, like a clove oil and something else, and, and it was way too strong. I, I tested it on my own inner arm first, and it, it burned my skin, so I wasn't gonna put it on my cat either. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free Happy Homes. Don't forget you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Happy Homes. Helping your pets live their happiest, healthiest, fullest lives at home. 
at the vet, and everywhere in between. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. And thanks, Fear Free, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143-800-689-0143-800-689-0143-That's 800-689-0143. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Matthew, welcome to the show. I got a question for Dr. Debbie about my six-year-old male golden doodle. And, uh, okay. He's a good boy. I love him. You know, and what I really want is, now, I don't want to second-guess my vet diagnosis, but I want to question... His pain level, it's a question I forgot to ask the vet. He's recently come up uh, intermittently lame in his uh, left hind, and we sedated him and did some radiological, you know, stuff, and his hip looks good. There's no signs of any bone cancers or growths or tumors and and, uh, no movement in his hips, no drawer signs in his knee. Uh, There's no signs of of an arthritic condition, but she diagnosed uh, acute arthritis. But his pain level is, it seems severe to me. Can can the onset of arthritis cause, I mean, real severe pain in these guys? Okay, I'm going to back up here a little bit. Now, you said on the x-rays they did not see any changes, but when we diagnose arthritis, generally off of an x-ray there's some changes where we go, ooh, look at all those little knobby things on the bones or on the joints, and and that's a sign that it's kind of been a chronic osteoarthritis condition. Now, did they see anything like that? No, she's seen no abnormalities, but she said it, it, it could be the beginnings of Okay, and it just didn't sound right to me. I, and and if there's no drawer sign, I, I guess if so, there's no ACL rupture or anything like that. Could there be other issues going on in his knees or hips that that I should maybe go get a second opinion on? Uh, definitely, I, I mean it's quite possible. And when we're talking about, just so I can explain for everyone else, um, drawer sign is a common uh, kind of a test, a physical movement that veterinarians will do in a, generally a sedated pet. Um, and we wiggle the knee and we basically test for instability in the ligaments there. And one of the major support ligaments in the knee, called the cruciate ligament, um, when that's damaged or 
torn completely, um, there's some movement. It's kind of like a drawer that's kind of opening. So if they didn't see that, it's possible we could have, you know, some maybe partial cruciate injuries that could cause a lot of knee pain and lameness and not show any kind of signs on x-rays or on that physical exam. Um, as far as arthritis, I usually reserve that diagnosis to when we have chronic changes and where we can see radiographic evidence that there's uh, some changes in the joints. So I might back up and say, ah, we have an acute strain or sprain, um, or maybe we have something else going on, and that's very possible. Um, as far as the physical exam, I think in this point uh, would probably be the biggest thing that I would fall back on and where their suspicions might lie, whether that's in the knee, the hip, or, or what have you. Now, did they put your baby on any medications of any sort? Yeah, some, some Remedil, and she said that she wants to use it when the pain starts to flare up. I've had them on glucosamine chondroitin for about a year, just as a preventative, and it does show up when he does get very active. And sometimes uh-huh. it comes goes in a day, but it's coming on more often now. Yeah, and and I guess I'm going to be a little wishy-washy because I would like to say that you know the physical tests support what you're seeing at home, and if it doesn't all fit, that then I don't want to say your vet's wrong, but you know I would definitely want to make sure that uh, the signs of what you're seeing agree with what they're seeing and describing in the in the physical exam. And if not, now the other thing is um, a lot of times um, my father's even guilty of this. Anti-inflammatories in many cases work best when we do use them for a consistent period of time. So you can do that hit or treatment, but if we're having uh, especially more established discomfort or lameness, it's better to use that for a course, a period of time consistently, and you'll get better response with um, the inflammation as well as with the pet's comfort um, than just that once in a blue moon kind of thing. Um, but if, if that therapy is not working, gosh, there's some other things you can look at getting into. Um, you know, if we have definite osteoarthritis, chronic changes, um, there are many foods that have glucosamine enhanced in there. Um, there's a product uh, called Adequan, which is an injectable formula that can be very nice in helping pets with arthritic pain. But usually arthritis is kind of that achiness, that slowness to get up, that I've overdone it and, oh, I'm just having a rough time. If we have more acute pain, um, really more intense, then I really want to go back to that physical exam and look again. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, it's Alan Cable, and we're talking about dogs. I'm going to give you a little project. I want you to watch your dog for a week. His body language, the way he moves, his energy level. Is he calm and happy or wound up and manic? Watch your dog as much as you can for an entire week. Just observe your dog's behavior and then really think before you react. I'll give you an example. I was in the dog park just yesterday. A woman with a smaller dog is walking. Her dog barks at just about every single dog and just lays into this bigger dog. The bigger dog is calm and relaxed and pretty much just wants to say hi, do a little sniffing around, you know. You can observe the different energy. One dog, very nervous, very afraid, manic, anxious, fearful. The other dog, calm, relaxed, la-di-da. What do you think her response was? Well, she immediately snatches the dog up, is holding the dog, going, oh, it's okay, it's okay. Now, that would be the perfect thing to do if the dog were human. But it's a dog. So what do you think the dog gets from that? 
He's acting crazy and gets affection. So that tells him it's a good thing he's acting like that. She's reinforcing it. It also tells the dog, yes, there is something to be afraid of. And you're right to be afraid. Best thing to do since the dog's on a leash is just turn around and walk the other way. If you can't do that, you get out in front of the dog to show him you're in charge and you're going to protect him. You're the pack leader. This is assuming, of course, the dog that he's afraid of is mellow. You don't want to get in the middle of two insane dogs. Now, you also give your dog a correction to refocus his mind. little jolt of the leash, little hand signal, and you do it over and over again until the dog starts to understand that that behavior is the wrong behavior. When the dog is mellow, you say, good dog. The more in charge you are, the more calm you are, the more calm your dog's gonna be. Dogs are like kids. They need boundaries, and you're the only one who can show them what they are. But you can't do it with words. You've got to do it with body language and corrections and a composed calm self. And don't forget the praise. So, go out there and watch some dogs. Watch yours. See if you can figure out what your dog is saying. And before you ask Think about the message it's sending the dog. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673. Hi, this is Jesse Tyler Ferguson from Modern Family. I'm on Animal Radio. Adopt a pet. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. So who influences you when you get to buy a new car? Well, according to Auto Trader, more than half of America's 54 million dog owners consider buying a vehicle based on its ability to accommodate their dogs. According to Auto Trader, they say the list considers cars with features that pet owners need, you know, like things we like, too, that are really handy when you have a pet, a dog, like those rear seats that fold flat, a rear lift gate, underfloor storage, and even rear climate control. That would be so nice. Well, there are nine cars on the list, and they include Audi's all-wheel drive wagon, the Ford Edge crossover, the little tiny Honda Fit, the Jeep Renegade Kia Sedona, Subaru Crosstrek, and the Mercedes GLA Class, plus a few others. I'm Lori Brooks. You can get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, this is Eric Dane on Animal Radio, reminding you to spay and neuter your pets. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. Celebrating our connection with your pets. I wish we were lucky enough to be the guys going out on tour 
for the Get Your Licks on Route 66 adoption tour. Maybe next year. Seems like Susan always gets that privilege of doing it. We're going to be talking to her today? We are. She's in L.A., isn't she? Yes, kicking it off. Kicking it off the tour. And uh, we're going to be all along Route 66. If we come to your town, you got to come visit us. Because we're we're not only going to have the adoptable animals, we're going to just be having a lot of fun. Today, we are in L.A. On the 16th, we'll be in Phoenix. The 19th, Albuquerque, Santa Fe on the 20th. On uh, September 26th, we'll be in OK City. That's uh, that's Oklahoma City. Yes, I was yeah. just trying to be cool there. Tulsa, Oklahoma, Springfield, Missouri, Joplin, Missouri, uh, St. Louis, Chicago, Springfield. And October 17th, as we almost wrap up the tour, we'll be in Kansas City, hanging out with the Wayside Waves. And speaking of the Wayside Waves, they are probably ground zero for classes in non-bullying. Allison Basinger, how you doing, Allison? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Tell us all about Wayside Waves over there and what you do specifically. Well, I mean, do you have two hours? <laughs> <laughs> Give me the abbreviated version. Okay. <laughs> Darn it. Well, specifically, uh, we have a beautiful, almost 50-acre campus, campus here, and we really make sure that we're giving all of the animals a full circle of care. So we have a pet adoption services, and we have an FEMA Certified Animal Rescue Team. Wow, that sounds like an incredible facility. You are teaching a local bullying course, is that correct? That is correct. What is that all about? Because they don't have that where I live. They should, because I get bullied all the time. And I make fun of (laughs) bullying, but it really is a very serious problem. It's absolutely a serious problem. And uh, wherever you live, we could certainly hook them up with our curriculum because we are launching it nationally uh, for other organizations Okay. Uh, But let me tell you about it. Uh, It's really important for us to talk about bullying as the action rather than bullies as naming or labeling a person with that action. And um, the reason it's important to separate is because um, a lot of times kiddos who are bullying other kids or animals, um, often they're doing so because they have hurt in their own lives or they're doing it because that's what they've seen the adult people around them doing. So, um, you know, I'd really love to go and teach this class to some adults, not to get my (laughs) sassy pants on. But, you know, a lot of times adult people, we got to remember that we're the examples of to the little people. And uh, we got to check ourselves and hold ourselves to high standards. Sure. Specifically... Uh, we teach third, fourth, and fifth grade students. Well, now where do the um, animals come in? Well, they come with us oh, to the class. Okay. Yes. So we're talking about core values, um, compassion, responsibility, self-control, integrity. And every day we look at one of those core values and how do we put those into practice with our people friends, but also with our animal friends. And so I have a dog named Justice, and I also have a dog named Paxton. We call him Pax for short. And they come with me into the classrooms, and they're just walking around the classrooms, interacting with the students while we're talking about how do we use these, practice these core values with our people friends and our animal friends. Do you have any stories where you actually witnessed a transformation of a child who might have been bullying other children? Do you have two hours? 
Yeah. <laughs> right? That's, that's the thing. Um, Justice, he's an older guy. He's a Cocker Spaniel. He's about 14 years old, um, and he has got a lot of prestige about him. Uh, so he wears a necktie when we go into the classrooms. And uh, one day we were specifically talking about the core value of compassion. And uh, this little boy said, oh, Miss Basinger, I think Justice's necktie is too tight around his neck. And I said to him, oh, my goodness, it's beautiful. Thank you so much for showing so much compassion for our animal friends. And I went over and I checked his tie, Justice's tie, and um, sure enough, it was not too tight. I was very careful to make sure I had the two fingers um, of space in between there. Uh, but he's an old man, so he has some old man wrinkles hanging down that makes it look like it's too tight. So I told the students that, but then again praised the student for showing so much compassion for justice. Mm -hmm. And about five minutes later, the same exact little boy took his elbow and elbowed really hard the boy sitting next to him. Uh And I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Do you remember all that compassion that you were showing justice with his necktie being too tight? Would you ever take your arm and elbow justice like that? And he he got tears in his eyes, and he looked at me and said, I would never hit justice that way. And I said, well, we we can't treat our people friends that way either. Uh, So, you know, the thing is that I think teachers hear often, like, bullying, uh, we got to talk about this again. You've been talking to us about (laughs) bullying since we were in kindergarten. But I, I will tell you that when we bring the animal aspect into the conversation of bullying, not only does it create those poignant moments where you can just call it straight out like that, and it also gives students the opportunity to practice those core values with animals because some of them don't have it at home, but it it makes the students pay attention and hear things in a completely different way. It really is important for us to help hurting people not be hurting anymore so that our animal friends can be safe and so can our people friends. Oh, I love that. Words to live by. Amen. Allison Basinger joining us, Wayside Waves. And uh, we're going to head back to the phones in just a couple of seconds for your calls. Hey, it's Vinny Penn on Animal Radio coming to you with the party animal segment. I'm, I'm, I know I'm way late in this one, but I still can't get over it. Uh, seeing in the news a ways back, I think it was at one point in March, a big story going on about people who were leaving everything to their pets. The new new movement in their wills, they were leaving everything to their pets. And is is that allowable? Should you be able to do it? Uh, or maybe it was a local story to my neck of the woods, Connecticut, but I don't think so. But if it is new to you, or if you do know it, what are your thoughts on this, leaving everything to your pet? I, on the one hand, the miserable, bitter 41-year-old me loves it because it's like you're sticking it to so You're sticking it to your brother. You're sticking it to your sister. You're sticking it to your spouse. Like, I hereby leave everything to Rover. So take that. My 22-year-old beagle gets everything. You get nothing. But then there's another part of me that's keenly aware of the fact that that the people who are leaving everything to their pets 
are like in love with the dog and just want the world to know how much they love them. And can the dog comprehend the real estate market, how much he can get for the house? I mean, is the dog going to put the the house for sale um, and stand out in front? And would he be able to throw an open house? I don't know. Where does it go from there? Then again, I mean, what, what other pets are you leaving everything to? Are you leaving it to the cat? I mean, cats are territorial as it is. I got a gut feeling cats, they're sharp creatures. They'll know, like, this is mine. So when that pissed off sibling comes in and decides to ignore the wishes of the deceased, everybody's got a sibling who ignores the wishes of the deceased, especially when it's a parent. And they come in and say, screw that. You know, this was mommy's and I'm taking it, even though she left it to you. That cat is going to drop on her back from the ceiling like a ninja. Never let her out of the house with grandma's necklace. Leaving everything to your pet. You left your brain. Leave your brain to your pet. Donate your organs. Major or. Well, then again, anybody who's going to do that. What good is that brain? Vinnie Penn, party animal on animal radio. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. 800-472-0658. 800-472-0658. That's 800-472-0658. Which one are we going to? Let's go to line four. We have Rick. Hey, Rick. Welcome to the show. Hi. How are you doing? Good. I have Dr. Debbie here. Yes, I I have a chocolate lab. She's about six years old, and she's got some real flaky skin. We've taken her to the vet a couple times, and they've put her on prednisone, and my wife's got some hot spot spray that she's been spraying on her. It's got tea tree oil and aloe vera, and it's all natural and stuff. And we've switched her dog food, but she still gets these bumps. And she's losing some of her hair, you know, and her skin is real flaky. Okay. And we don't know what else to do with her. We've been giving her oatmeal baths, leaving the oatmeal okay. shampoo on her for quite a while. But uh, And with her being flaky, is she flaky all over, or, the, or is the flake kind of more, like, stuck to her skin and coming off in, like, patches? Yeah, it's coming off into patches. Okay. Uh, all right. Is she on any kind of flea tick control here? Yeah, we give her, uh, what is it? Um, I can't even think of the name of the stuff now. We get it from the vet. What's the, the brand name stuff? Uh, okay. It's always I hard when the vet asks right. you the, I, I have that all the time where I'll ask people, what food do you feed? And it's kind of like deer in the headlights. They're like, oh, it's the blue yeah, bag. Right. It's the one with the little slash on it. <laughs> so, right. So yeah. that's okay. All right. Well, with a, a Labrador, definitely we have a lot of different potential causes when we're talking about skin problems. So the good old seasonal allergies combined with food allergies tend to be a really big pot of potential causes for that type of problem. So, you know, some of the things you're doing aren't bad. And if we're not making headway, then I'd certainly want to try looking at doing a couple other things there. Um, for any dog with 
itchiness, hair loss, dry skin. One of the really natural things that I'm a fan of doing is supplementing omega fatty acids. So typically these tend to be the fish oils. So we're not talking about just taking Crisco or um, pouring vegetable oil on the food. Those tend to be higher in omega-6 fatty acids. And we really need to supplement in dog's diet the omega-3s, which are naturally poor in dog foods. That's just something we have to add in. So fish oils would be a great place to start to add that in to, uh, to as an oral supplement. Um, we've, we've been giving her a couple capsules of fish oil every day for okay, the past great. month and a half. And- Things just haven't changed there either. So. Okay. All right. And being a Labrador, some of the other common problems that can be linked with skin disease can be thyroid disorders. So if you haven't already had this baby's thyroid level checked, that would be something that I would definitely recommend. Hypothyroidism or an underactive thyroid can definitely cause problems with hair loss. It can cause problems with dry skin, even things like weight gain. And, and gosh, most Labradors love those calories, so they grab on those calories really well. So that might be something worthwhile looking into. And uh, in many cases, even if I don't see them, I'll either do a test for skin mites or I'll just go ahead and start treating for mites, especially when we have some chronic problems. There are some various types of mites that can be present and they're not visible by the naked eye that can complicate some of these skin therapies when we're doing this. So that would be one other thing to consider trying. And then a diet management, for me, um, if we can play hardcore, tough love mom and dad, then that is a great strategy when we have a dog that we're worried about the skin and maybe they have some food allergy. And that basically is not just simply changing brands of food, but really working with your veterinarian to find a hypoallergenic diet. And that means we have to be very super strict in the household. No treats, no rawhides, no goodies off of mom and dad's plate, um, no even edible um, supplements, things like heartworm preventatives. We have to switch to the kind that don't have flavorings in them. Um, Those type of things we have to really limit if we're doing a very serious food trial. Um, and there's different strategies with that. Uh, we've talked some on this show before about the hydrolyzed protein diets, um, as well as the novel protein diets. And there's different schools of thought with that. Um, but that would be something to also talk to your veterinarian because that's kind of a two hour lecture from Dr. Debbie. <laughs> as Hal says, sometimes I can get, I can get kind of passionate <laughs> you about are these passionate. topics. Yes. Um, but I think that is one of the things. And actually, we know compliance with food allergy prescriptions. When I give a prescription to someone and say, okay, I'd like you to follow this hypoallergenic diet, research shows that only 20% of pet owners can actually do that because of household situations um, and also just compliance because it is tough. So that would be one thing that if, if you can do it and you can kind of put all your efforts into that, that one thing might make a big difference. Um, So Mm -hmm. that would be another thing to really look at for this kid. And in some cases, if I do all these things and we're still feeling like we're treading water and we're not getting ahead of the game, um, you know, there are veterinary dermatologists if we need to do specialized allergy testing um, or even just a you know consultation to give us some direction. So if that's something where your veterinarian feels like they've kind of taken it as far as they can, um, you know, see if that's an option for you as well. Um, but, okay. uh, there's a there's a lot more that we can do. It just depends on um, how aggressive you want to get about getting an answer. I've actually gone to taking a biopsy sometimes of, the, of pet skin and we'll find out, oh, that's a hormone-related disease. Oh, my gosh, we need to check this dog for uh, thyroid disorders. We need to check this dog for a Cushing's disease. And it gives us a different direction. Okay. 
Yeah, we have we have two other labs. We got another chocolate lab puppy. She's seven months old, and then we got a yellow lab that's uh, eight years old, and and they don't have it. So would the mm-hmm. mite spread if if that was what it was? Would, Some kinds can, but others can be more of an immune problem. So it can be an individual problem, Um, particularly demodex type mites are um, not trans, not typically contagious in the normal sense of the word. And it sounds like you're a man who loves his labs, just like uh, my household. We've we've gone. uh, Well, this this is our fifth one now. Well, we've had five already, and a couple of them. One had. cancer here a couple of the last year and we had to put him to sleep and the other one she was like 16 years old and we put her to sleep and, and we've got the ashes all in the house there and little little things with pictures and stuff so oh yeah we love our dogs we're out here in the oh. woods and we love it out here so uh well they're they're all close with you i'm sure and, and look oh at yeah <laughs> You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places, too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido Friendly Magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio. Featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. All right, we're having a lot of fun today. Hopefully you are too. And we'll go back to the phones in just a couple of seconds for your calls for Dr. Debbie or for dog father Joey Villani. And don't forget, you can also ask your questions directly from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Uh, go download that puppy right now. I uh, got some email for you, Dr. Debbie, and I'll uh, read it to you in just a couple of seconds here. In fact, here, you better check it out first. <laughs> so you have a little heads up. It's about goat's milk. And, you know, a lot of people talk about goat's milk and whether or not they should feed their animals uh, goat's milk. In just a few minutes, we're going to visit with Fred Levy or Levy. 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 Mm-hmm. He's a photographer for animals. He photographs pets for a living, and he's put together a new book called Black Dog Syndrome because black dogs, as far as I know, are always the ones at the shelters that are never adopted. And so he wanted to figure out how to uh, increase the adoptions, and he's, he's focused on just these beautiful dogs. Yeah, I guess that, you know when you take pictures of shelter dogs, the black dogs just don't, they don't show up. photograph as well. So I think he's got some great tips and some great shots on the best way to photograph a black dog. Hmm. Okay, well, that's on the way. Lori Brooks working hard in the newsroom. What's- I don't want to freak anybody out, but um, Uh-oh. there's been a new discovery by scientists of flying spiders. Huh? And and where these things hang out is pretty close to something that we're near all the time. Flying As, as a, an arachnophobe myself, I know. Uh-huh. I promise I'll tell you. And and. And we'll be safe. There's a way to be, be safe about it, okay? Remember what I say is uh, spiders are our friends here at Animal Well, yeah, but they just don't have to touch me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> so this uh, this email for Dr. Debbie, it comes in from uh, Steve. Steve writes, hey, Doc Debbie, love the show. I have a two-year-old multi-poo uh, that's very hefty, big in size. And I saw goat's milk at the pet store, and I read up on it, and I saw it has some good benefits 
how do you feel about goat's milk? What do you think? Well, you know, goat's milk is a, a great uh, nutritional product, um, but in a pet that is overweight, we really don't need to be adding an extra form of, of liquid calories here. And oh. I would, I would say, Steve, you're probably better off to work on weight loss and deal with um, keeping your pet satisfied. Because if we're adding liquid calories, you're going to have to cut back other calories, and when you do that, you're going to have an unsatisfied, hungry pet. Um, but, you know, I guess I think some of this kind of comes from there's actually kind of a movement where a lot of people drink raw goat's milk for health benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it has a lot of antioxidants and, you know, there's all of these um, uh, purported um, benefits. Um, that's for raw goat's milk. And raw goat's milk means it's unpasteurized. So I am never a fan of unpasteurization in, in our pets because um, that basically means that the risk of, Foodborne illness like E. coli and salmonella is heightened. Um, so that would definitely not be something that I would be looking for doing. But to just give goat's milk for the sake of giving it, um, no. I, I really don't feel the need to do that if you're on a good quality diet. Um, and, uh, you know, some of these things are a little bit of a marketing thing, so you don't have to buy milk for your dog. <laughs> mm, okay. Um, Maybe try some green beans, huh? You know, green beans. <laughs> we do that yes. all the time. We call it the green bean diet. Those are fun. There's a nice crunch. You know, dogs get a little bit of satisfaction. But, yeah, the li- the liquid uh, supplements are, are going to be just that, calorie mm. supplements. Our cats love green beans. Yeah, and I pet sit these dogs that that's part of their daily diet. Green they beans. get green daily beans green mixed bean. in with their kibble. Those spoiled little dogs. Uh, okay, so uh, thanks, Steve, for your question. Great question. And Steve uh, wrote in his question from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android and BlackBerry. So download it now. So you have a question. He asked his question, it looks like, at 4.13 a.m. So <laughs> We're not going to answer at that time. Not going to answer it right away. No. But uh, we'll take your questions as soon as we get them and answer them for you. And we go to Moika. Is it Moika? Am I pronouncing your name right? You're pronouncing it correctly. How are you doing today? Oh, well, been better. <laughs> You've been better. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, oh, no, it's just um, the bad one. That's what I call her. Has gotten worse again. Oh, no. What I did. Oh, well, well, tell us the story. What's going on? Um, I, I was a failed foster, and I knew when I got her that she was a little snappy and nervous. But she was okay as a foster. Of course, they were separate from my other dog, who was seven years older and blind. And at the time, that's the only problem she had. So failed foster, I decided to keep her. And she started growling when she was on the couch with me, when she was on the bed with me. And then I heard, oh, nope, put her down. Don't let her up there without your permission. So I did that. And they were okay for, I'd say, a good year or two. Okay. Recently, I'm working longer. My son, who used to take them out during the day, he's working, so he's not able to do it. The blind dog has now got tons of other problems. So in the morning, I'm waking up, I'm giving her three medications, orally three medications, you know, in her eye. And then the same thing at night, too. So it's... I guess she's getting more attention or something. I don't know. But okay. now the failed foster is just, she's growling, she's lunging every time she walks near her. So if the older dog walks near the foster dog, that's when she is attacking or vice versa? Yeah. When And is she attacking her when you're applying the medications at that time? 
No, she's, um, it's just when she's walking by us, they're laying on the, if she's laying on the pad on her bed and she's walking around, she's now in the habit of just circling. And it's really kind of distressing to see her just walk and walk and not lay down for a few minutes. But if your older dog is, so growl. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I mean, it sounds like this has been a complicated situation for a while. And sometimes when there is a health change in one pet, it can alter the dynamics in the household. So um, say, for instance, if your dog suddenly became blind, that can make the uh, the foster dog very um, unsettled. Because sometimes um, pets with disabilities, whether they don't hear, don't see well, or if they have mobility issues, their movements can be a bit erratic and um, not the typical behavior cues that they use to read and say, okay, you know, this dog's coming up to me. He's not a threat to me. So you need to be very vigilant when you have a pet that is having health issues because that can definitely trigger an aggressive bout. So if your foster dog has a problem with the other Mm -hmm. dog, we have two things that we would want to do. One, I would never leave these two alone, um, unattended. The risk of injury could be substantial. Now, there are some dogs that the um, aggressive bouts may be more when the human is around. And in those cases, then we want to really work very hard at reaffirming those good behaviors, those deferential behaviors. So we used to say that, you know, we, we always reward the dominant dog. And that's not the case. We don't reward dominance in the sense of um, anxiety or aggression. What we do want to reward is we want to reward calm behaviors and kind of use that as a, a marker that this you're going to get affection or you're going to get treats if you're behaving in a calm way. So if we start to see any visual cues that either dog is becoming aggressive, you know, we've got um, very stiff body posture, ears are back, the tail is held high up. Um, in the one case of your one dog, if we have direct eye contact, those right. can be cl- clues to you that we have an anxious dog and you have the potential for a bomb to go off. You need to redirect that dog and and show them into a, a down, a sit, a calm posture, and then reward that. So that puts a lot of challenge in your shoulders because you're going to have to be uh, foreseeing those kind of episodes. Um, but there are often problems we'll see with aggression when they have to go through a physical space, a hallway. And that, too, right. you need to anticipate that and make sure you maintain physical control of both dogs during that time. And it may mean working with the foster dog separately. And if she doesn't have good skills when it comes to following your lead, when it's down, sit, come, then um, you need to work on that privately without the other okay. dog around. And that should be something she should master, um, you know, and it's not necessarily, we say a command, but that kind of makes it sound like, you know, we're do this, do that. We want her right. to listen to you and for her to learn to be calm and you will get good things. Um, and that may be something when the other dog comes around, if she's behaving calmly. If she's got her ears back and she's growling, you don't want to reward her. You don't want to say, good girl. Wow. So I know that's hard. So you, you may need to you know, work with, um, a lot of times with these problems with aggression, you need to work with a trainer or with an assistant, somebody else who can help you. Because working with two dogs in an aggression situation can be tough. Um, so you need to make sure you keep uh, control of the aggressor, and then someone may need to help keep the blind and hearing impaired dog under physical control just so they don't get into a situation. So, 
she's sitting next to me with the muzzle on now. Oh, okay. And I know she's unhappy, but that's the only way I know to keep her safe. And dogs don't have to be unhappy wearing a muzzle. You can train a dog to wear a muzzle and have it be a um, a positive thing. So it just takes time. So if you just throw a muzzle on, yes, it can be seen as a, um, a sense of punishment. But if you put peanut butter on it and it gets used to it, um, then it becomes their own. So it doesn't have to be um, something a tool that is um, a punishment. So don't think of it that way, or you're going to approach the situation in the wrong way right, in your mindset. Rub off on exactly. Yep. 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 Think positively. <laughs> well, good luck with things. Thanks for your call, Moika. We appreciate it. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. A newly adopted dog named Toby may have saved the lives of his New Jersey owners. John and Cheryl Kramer and their nine-year-old daughter were sound asleep when John was awakened by the howling of Toby, the Norwegian elk hound the family had just adopted two weeks earlier. When he went downstairs to check on their new dog, he saw flames coming from the basement. As smoke was filling the house, John quickly opened Toby's crate and ran upstairs to wake his family. The Kramer family, including Casey, another elk hound sleeping upstairs, were able to escape safely, thanks to Toby and his quick thinking. Or howling. Sounds like another good reason to consider adopting a dog. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143 That's 800-689-0143 Hello, I'm David Bellamy of the Bellamy Brothers and we're on Animal Radio Love your animals You're listening to Animal Radio If you missed any part of today's show visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android found us animal radio grab your pets come on around the radio miss Lori brooks what are you working on over there in the newsroom there's a, a really well-known company that makes makeup that used to be really well known for being anti-cruelty but now it turns out a company that they own is having to admit that yeah their products are being tested on animals so we'll tell you about that and give you the latest in how uh, hollywood is reacting to it coming up 
Mm. Can't wait. Right here on Animal Radio. Stick around for that. Susan Sims is joining us. She is uh, in Los Angeles as they kick off the Fido-friendly 7th annual month-long adoption tour. Get your licks on Route 66. Oh, my gosh, you guys. We are having so much fun. You know, we get to do this every year from L.A. to Chicago, helping to place, you know, all these puppies and kittens into new forever homes and animal radio has always been our wonderful media sponsor so i just want to thank you before we say anything else thank you thank you thank you it's not just an adoption thing going on you have the big wheel there where you can circle and get all kinds of prizes and i think you could what spin the wheel for like two bucks which is great <laughs> yes and of course that money yes. goes to the shelters there but you also have this year and this is really really cool if you donate to the tour ten dollars you get a subscription of Fido Friendly Magazine, the digital subscription, one-year subscription for $10, a $10 donation, which is wow. really, really awesome. And then if you want to up the ante, $30, you'll get one of the T-shirts. And these are great T-shirts. I Every year I take mine and I collect it, and I have one that I won't <laughs> wear that I just keep in my collection. Um, the Get Your Licks on Route 66 T-shirt. So $30 helps the animals. You get the T-shirt. A lot of great things going on. Today, you're hanging out with Brandon McMillan, what, till 1 p.m.? This guy's great. If anyone's ever seen Lucky Dog on CBS, Brandon McMillan is all about training rescue dogs and uh, for families and so he is going to be with us until one o'clock and the cast of the young and the restless they're always doing something for the animals and they're hanging out with you today too so you want to check that out and that's happening over at uh, the Van Nuys LA Animal Shelter and that's at 14409 Van Owen Street in Van Nuys and uh, we'll put links in all of the dates of the Fido Friendly Get Your Licks on Route 66 adoption tour over at AnimalRadio.com uh, next week we're going to be in Phoenix Albuquerque Santa Fe Amarillo uh, Oklahoma City Tulsa Springfield Joplin St. Louis Chicago Springfield Kansas City and Merriam Kansas wow all on the docket so now's the time to come on out visit us play with us have fun with us and maybe go home with a forever friend what do you think about that everybody please come out we would love to see you beautiful Susan Sims the luckiest gal on earth because she gets to do this tour every year just gotta end we gotta do it next year we got I'm it sorry got it. we're gonna head back to the phones for your calls hi Henry hi I have a uh kind of a geriatric old black cat. He's my favorite cat. He's getting kind of old there. And I noticed that he has a uh, patch on his rear side that doesn't seem to ever heal. And uh, it gets bigger, and he bites at it all the time. I noticed, though, that it kind of recovers, never fully, when I give him uh, his flea drops for the month. Hmm. Okay, so it gets better when he is treated for his flea tra- treatment. Yeah, the family actually thinks that it might be dust mites. But, you know, I, I wanted to get the official doctor. It, well, definitely, you know, fleas actually are the number one um, allergenic um, material for cats. So when they have skin disease and they're chewing and scratching, approximately 80% of the time it's flea allergy disease. Um, so that's the number one thing. So if the flea treatment seems to be helping, yeah, that could be part of the thing. Now, whether or not it's mites or something microscopic, ah, you know, possibly. Um, in an, is this an indoor kitty or an outdoor kitty? Uh, well, it's an indoor and outdoor kitty. You know, he. we're trying to get him to, we, we have a big house, you know what I mean? We can't, he likes to run, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's supposed to be inside, but, you know, he, he gets in and out, you know. 
Okay. Just because, you know, for an older cat that's indoors, um, mites aren't terribly common unless there's something else going on. So when they're immunosuppressed or some other disease process is going on, and then maybe we can have a mite problem. But, you know, actually, skin disease in older cats can even occur with health problems like diabetes and thyroid problems. So if this is a geriatric kitty, um, it might be well worth a trip to the vet to make sure we don't have something like that going on. Um, And then really focus on some of the the skin treatments that we might try beyond the flea treatment. And those might include um, certainly uh, types of hypoallergenic diets that we can try using. Um, And for some kitties, it's really a matter of making sure that we're on a good quality diet, we're doing regular grooming procedures, and then, you know, checking out things like even arthritis in older kitties. It's a subtle, silent problem that they don't often complain about. But I do see cats groom themselves excessively in the hindquarters areas when they are having pain down there. So it can be one of those kind of things that you don't always know about. But a little treatment with some glucosamine might be a uh, trick to try as well to see if your kitty is having some of those aching joints that comes along with old age. Okay, thank you so much because that excessive licking uh, and and that that just that description how he's moving does sound Mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, you get key points even without being here. Well, good. Hey, reaching across those radio waves to help our listeners. Alan Cable with today's goose story. Lucy, you got some explaining to do. That's Bob. He's got some geese that are named after sitcom characters, and they just want to stay together. I always loved I Love Lucy. Bob's afraid he might have to get rid of the geese. And said, you have 10 days to get rid of it. He lives in the town of Beloit, and there's an ordinance that prohibits his geese. Bob's also disabled, so he's medically allowed to have the geese. As therapy pets. I have to get up and let them out every day. Bob started a change.org petition that already has a thousand signatures from all over the world. One of the first long distance ones was Alaska, and I was excited about that. But then it started coming in Australia, Germany, Japan, (laughs) just everywhere. Bob has to pay 200 bucks out of his own pocket to make a variance request, and there's no guarantee he'll get to keep his geese. Once something gets in your heart and it's there, it's embedded in you, and they're embedded in me, and I'm embedded in them. This is Animal Radio, baby. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673. This is an Animal Radio News Update. 
I'm Lori Brooks. Actress and animal rights activist Pamela Anderson has written a letter to MAC or MAC makeup owner and friend John Dempsey expressing her extreme disappointment in the brand for testing on animals. Uh, Let me explain some background on this. You see, Pamela Anderson used to be a spokesperson for that same brand, but recently learned that the supposedly cruelty-free brand now admittedly tests on animals wherever it is required by law, like in China. Mac's parent company is Estee Lauder, and they released a statement acknowledging the accusation, saying, quote, we are committed to providing our products and services to our consumers wherever they live, and we must comply with all legal requirements in the countries where we do business. But the cosmetic giant shows no signs of wanting to pull their products out of China. Scientists already knew that spiders can forsake their many legs and instead fly through the air if they want. That's horrific to somebody like me. Now it's been discovered that there are skydiving spiders in the forest of South America that can actually manipulate their flight. Pretty freaky for arachnophobes, huh? You see, this nocturnal hunting spider is really a tree dweller. And occasionally, you know, nature happens. It's forced to abandon its home or it might be blown off by a stiff wind. Well, when that happens, scientists say this spider can literally manipulate its two-inch wide body to guide its trajectory to the safety of another branch or tree trunk. And they say this leads them to believe that many animals living in trees are good at aerial gliding. Animals from snakes and lizards to ants and now spiders. Holy cow. Well, happier days are ahead for some former circus animals who last week were part of a flying caravan aboard Mexican Navy planes to a Colorado wildlife sanctuary. It was the first time Mexico's Navy had ever participated in an animal relocation effort that included, this one did, eight lions, two lynxes, a puma, and a coyote, and they are all now living a much better life after being found abused or abandoned. You see, Mexico recently enacted a ban on exotic animal performances in circuses. And many of the former circus owners say now they can't afford to maintain animals who don't make money for them. I'm Lori Brooks. Be sure to get more breaking animal news whenever you need it, anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. I always have trouble taking pictures of my animals, especially like Ladybug the Studio Stunt Dog, who's supposed to be the spokes dog for Animal Radio. Couldn't take a good photo of her on a pet. <laughs> It's, oh, I think really? we have one stock photo that if you've noticed and you look on all of the uh, materials, it's just the same photo. <laughs> well, And, you know, I've always had black dogs. Yeah, oh. those are really hard to photograph because uh, it what is a challenge. Oh, well, then you're going to love our next guest. We have Fred Levy joining us. He is probably one of the foremost photographers in pet photography. You know, he makes a living out of taking pictures of animals. So there's a job that's better than we have right there. Fred, oh. welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So taking pictures of black dogs is tough, but you've actually devoted a book to it called The Black Dogs Project, Extraordinary Black Dogs and Why We Can't Forget Them. Obviously a book of all black dogs, and I'm wondering why you selected that as your subject. Well, it all started from a conversation I had at a dog park where uh, one was talking about how black dogs had a harder time getting adopted than other dogs. Why, why is that? Do you know? Well, I'm not exactly sure. I don't think there's one exact reason. I think there's probably a lot of things that go into it, and I think photography is one of those reasons. Um, I think 
being that they're most shelters are nonprofits that have limited resources and lots of volunteers, most people aren't very good at taking pictures under those kind of circumstances. So um, when they take a picture of a black dog like in a cage under fluorescent lights, they don't look very appealing if you can even see the dog at all. The dog ends up usually looking like a black blob with a, you know, maybe you can see the eyes a little bit. I think that's part of the reason that, it, that it's happening because um, first thing people are going to do nowadays is they're going to go online and search for a dog. And mm-hmm. if they see a bad photo, uh, something that might look like a dog, then, you know, they, they'll probably just pass it by. Well, you've made an art out of taking photos of black dogs. How do you do it? Well, I've, I do all the shooting for this book I've been doing in my studio. I have a small studio in my house. Okay. Um, and so I set up a bunch of lights. I've set up the backdrop. And fortunately, it's a small space. So the animals can't really run around too much. And um, we just try to, like, take the photos that we need to take. And do you, do you use any kind of special lighting or backdrops? Um, it's a really basic black backdrop. Um, and I use... Uh, there's actually as many as four different lights that are being used at once for taking the shot. There wow. is, uh, there's and one... it's in a black backdrop, huh? Yeah, that's yeah. weird. How do you make that work? <laughs> well, the, you focus the light where you want to be, where you want it to be and not where you don't want it. So I want the backdrop to kind of fall away for the most part. Um, so I focus all the light in a very small area where the dog is going to be sitting, which is in front of uh, that backdrop. The backdrop is, called, is what's called a seamless backdrop where it's, it's just a, basically a piece of fabric that kind of comes down and then um, comes to the floor so you don't actually see, like, the crease of an edge of a, floor, of a, of a room. Mm. Um, but if you're working with a shelter and you're trying to get good pictures, um, you need to really think about where the light is and how the light is hitting the dog first and then figure out how do I get a good backdrop that, isn't, um, that doesn't conflict with a dog or I'm not shooting through a fence or a, or a cage or something like that. Um, you know, those are the things that I try to, to tell people. I'm actually giving a, a workshop um, to a, a local shelter that's inviting a bunch of other shelters to come by and learn how to get good pictures. That's great. Oh, that's, that's so important. Should, yeah, put up on a website or something so other shelters that can't be in attendance can look and get some tips. Yeah, I want to try to videotape it so that I can let people see it. Well, I encourage listeners to check out your website, Fred Levy Art, and that's spelled L-E-V-Y. And we'll put a link over at AnimalRadio.com. And, in fact, we're going to give away five copies of this awesome book, which I don't have in, in hand, but I've seen a copy online. And it looks like the ultimate coffee table book. Well, tell us about the dogs that are in the book. There's 50-something dogs that are in the book. I took um, I photographed about 75 total. One that, that always pops into mind um, is Denver. He's a black lab, which obviously is a pretty common breed. But he's also um, a therapy dog. And what's kind of funny about him is I've actually photographed him before when he was just a puppy. I did like a Easter. I did an Easter shoot where it was pictures with your dog with the Easter bunny at a, at a pet store. <laughs> um, but that was the first time I actually photographed Denver. Um, but then after I started this project, I got to, she came by again and brought Denver. And he's just a, such a good dog to kind of be around. He, as, he is, as a therapy dog, he actually goes into uh, elementary schools and hangs out with the kids, especially ones that are feeling like, stressed out or um, worried about something, he'll spend time with those specific kids and just make them feel better. That's awesome. Yeah. Whenever I advocate for a dog, I always try to pick a black dog, knowing that, you know, they're not going to have as many people rooting for them or looking at them. But I actually looked up one time and uh, the black dog syndrome, and I believe it was the ASPCA that said that 
they did research and can't find that there is such a thing. No, I heard that. I disagree, but that's what they say. Well, that's true. There is a lot of there are people who have who are looking at the numbers of uh, on sort of a national scale and saying that you know this isn't really a thing. Um, but part of that um, that might not be being taken into account is that there are such a large number of black dogs, so there's probably more black dogs just in general than there are of any other dogs that are in these shelters. Even if this isn't an actual like statistical thing that they can prove, there is enough people who believe it and have seen it from their personal experiences, whether they exactly. have that kind of knowledge or not, um, that it's worth at least considering. Sure. Well, interesting concept. Great book. I encourage listeners to check it out. Once again, the, the website, fredlevyart.com, and we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.com. Fred, thanks so much for hanging with us and the wonderful work you're doing. Hey, thanks for having me. Hi, it's Alan Cable. Meredith Vieira's got a dog. His name's Jasper. She loves her dog, but her husband, Richard, not so much. When I hear the word Jasper, every muscle in my body tightens. I expect a hideous shriek, but um, I rest my case. So why does Meredith Vieira's dog, Jasper, shriek? I think he's doing it from a good place, and also maybe there's a little jealousy. I'm not jealous of the dog. Jasper is very possessive and really thinks he owns Meredith. Richard's pretty much right. I don't think that the dog thinks in those terms. I think the dog sees me as his best friend. Meredith couldn't be more wrong. They're both actually having a good time with this. Richard wrote a book about Jasper. I can't get into my own bed because the dog won't let me do it. Perfect animal. Jasper! Richard's book is called, I Want to Kill the Dog. Now, it's just a joke. He doesn't really mean it. It's all tongue-in-cheek. I would never hurt an animal, but if a meteor landed on his head. So they're clowning around, but Meredith does know that her dog has a problem. The dog has a barking problem, but I have long felt that it's not the dog that has the problem. It's we as trainers and being, we didn't do a good enough job training the dog. She's right. Too much affection and at the wrong times. This dog obviously thinks he's in charge. Remember what Richard said about not being able to get in his own bed the dog thinks he's the pack leader he's taking richard's spot he's taking the whole house so the humans in this house have become the underlings and the dog is ruling the roost you might think who cares they're all happy dogs are not happy being in charge it stresses them out this is why there's only one leader in each pack only certain dogs are meant to be leaders dogs like to follow and when a dog that's meant to follow is forced to be in charge because the humans don't take that position it causes stress and anxiety dogs need structure they need rules to be happy they need limitations and boundaries they need you to be a strong confident trustworthy fair leader that's how you get a calm happy dog good boy life can be full of risks one thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance if you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it 800-472-0658 800-472-0658 That's 800-472-0658 Hi, this is Ed Begley Jr. on Animal Radio. Live simply so that others may simply live. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. 
Hey, Cindy. Hello. Welcome to Animal Radio. I've got the good doctor, Dr. Debbie, right here. What's up? Hi. Well, hello, Dr. Debbie. Um, We listen to you every Saturday morning when we're traveling, so we appreciate the good advice. Oh, well, Um, thank you for tuning in. I have a three-year-old golden doodle. She has been being cared for when we're traveling, when hotels won't take her um, in a kennel. It is a veterinary kennel. We did a Bordetella shot booster. We do them every six months. And they said there was a new strain of Bordetella running around. So because veterinary clinics or the CDC cannot keep up with it, they thought an additional booster would help her. So we did a booster about three and a half weeks after she had the first one. And we brought her home, and now she's trying to clear her nose, constantly sneezing, and it feels like she's trying to blow her nose. And okay. She's lethargic. Okay. And this is, I'm sorry, how long after that vaccination was given? Um, it was about three and a half, four weeks. Okay. All right. And, you know, I guess the the bottom line with Bordetella is that there's, there's different types of vaccinations. So there's an intranasal form that's kind of like the flu mist vaccination. So like little kids get that um, nasally sprayed. Uh, and there's an injection form. And, and I'd have to say we do see some potential um, clinical signs after an intranasal Bordetella. Usually it's pretty mild and self-limiting, a little sneezing, coughing, reverse sneezing, that horrible like <laughs> kind of sound. Um, So usually it's pretty um, short in its duration. Kind of depends. If I have a pet who's really sick, then I will definitely do some lab work on them and we can do specific testing for different agents and whether or not it, you know, we can say it's from the vaccination or not. You know, I I have had the occasional pet have those kind of clinical signs after a nasal Bordetella vaccine, but I still believe in the product and it can be very good for a pet that has a upcoming boarding visit and it gives us um, kind of in a pinch in the quick time frame, it gives us some of the best protection um, on that uh, short timeline. Um, but that being said, you know, I want to make sure your, your baby's well. And if necessary, you know, I would certainly see if we need to get her treated or, you know, maybe at least on an antihistamine to help control some of those signs for her. Uh, antihistamine such as Benadryl? Mm-hmm. Yeah, often Benadryl. There's some other ones that we'll prescribe as well, just to kind of help, you know, minimize those clinical signs of the sneezing, coughing, um, that type of thing. Okay. And, you know, if, if a dog does show a sensitivity with these kind of signs after a nasal Bordetella vaccination, then, you know, we might really look at giving the injectable form in the future just to kind of avoid that potential. And it sounds like you're a good parent and you're up to date on shots. Um, so that might just be a good strategy for her in the future there. So the injectables are a six-month inoculation, or are they a year? You know, there's a little bit of some controversy with that, and some of that we discuss on the lifestyle and the exposure for the pets. Um, here we typically, using either product, we'll do that on an every six-month interval if we have a pet who's in a more of a high-risk group. Um, and that would be pets that are boarded, that go to the grooming parlor, go to pet shows, things like that. Um, if it's only the occasional animal exposure or minimal, um, then usually we just stick with that once-a-year um, vaccination, whether we use the nasal or the injection form. But, uh, well, I, I appreciate that my vet likes to be very safe, and so we do it every six months regardless. You, mm-hmm. just, you just show up here to get your dog groomed. We're going to make you take the shot so or take the nasal. So we, mm-hmm. we've been doing nasal, but we've never had the symptoms where she's trying to blow her nose. Um, mm-hmm. My husband has one more question about it, and he was wondering about exertion. I mean, she just um, 
she loves to swim. And, mm-hmm. and we didn't want to, it's the time of year where we take her down to the lake and she just swims until her tail goes cold. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been trying to keep her away from that, that situation. But um, he doesn't know how much exertion because she will play with the ball and swim until she, we have to go out and get her. <laughs> Okay. So this is unrelated to her kind of sneezing thing right now. You're just asking right. if, if that's too much for her to do that. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, there is a condition we call swimmer's tail where basically a dog can sprain their tail. And after really intense swimming, retrieving um, activities, they'll actually have pain in the tail where they don't want to raise it. They mope around. And it can be really uncomfortable. You know, if we're in that category, then I'd say we need to temper things down. But if she seems to recover pretty well, we're watching the, the ambient temperature and it's not too hot out uh, for that level of activity. Oh, my gosh. My dogs will retrieve for an hour at a time um, as long as the condition are right. So if she's enjoying it and seeming to physically hold up to that and not having a sore tail afterwards, then I don't see a problem with that. Okay. Well, we haven't gone to sore tail for, we discovered it two years ago and we haven't gone back there. So, (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, a dog is not happy if it's not waking up the tail. Yes, yes. And you know, my own Labrador has had swimmer's tail before. And it's a pathetic thing. And you know, it's hard to imagine they can actually sprain their tail, but any muscle in our body, you overuse it, and you'll feel the difference the next day. <laughs> so thank you for your call, Cindy. And thanks for tuning in to us here at Animal Radio. It's about time for us to head on out of here. Before we do so, if you're thinking about getting a pet and you live along Route 66, please check out the website, getyourlicks.com. It has all the dates of uh, where we'll be adopting out animals along Route 66. And don't forget to download the Animal Radio app. We have that same information over there at the app, as well as a lot of other news that you may need, uh, recalls, whatever it might be. If it's news that affects your pets, we have it on the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Uh, We encourage you to download that puppy now. I want to thank so much Fred Levy for joining us, as well as Alice Basinger and you, of course. And we'll catch you next week for more Animal Radio right here. Bye-bye. Bye. Have a great day. Bye. This is Animal Radio Network.